Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. We've got a great show planned for you. Uh, Going to be talking tonight a little bit about addiction. Um, important topic, and there's a lot of dynamic, creative, new perspectives we've talked about on the show before. So hitting some of those points, bringing in some new ones. But as always, we're looking at it with a critical lens, understanding that there's a lot of different ways to conceptualize such a thing. Um, You know, I talked about this during pandemic times, how a lot of people's relationship to drugs and alcohol was changing and shifting. And that's generally the terminology I use. I don't tend to use the word addiction because addiction isn't a single entity. It shows up differently for everyone with different causes. Um, Everyone has different needs. And so it's really about us always looking at our relationship to drugs, our relationship to alcohol, um, and trying to find ways to make it healthier. Uh, One having at times a problematic relationship with drugs drugs or alcohol doesn't mean it's something you need to permanently remove from your life, although for some that's the best route to go. And for others, they want to just decrease their use or reduce the harm it causes or maybe remove alcohol or certain kinds of drugs and still use um, marijuana or um, other things. So again, we're going to hit a lot of different topics, a lot of different uh, things to kind of consider. And uh, yeah, so we're going to kind of jump into that one. This is something that I want people to always be assessing because our relationship to drugs and alcohol at one point in our lives does not mean that that's how we'll always be. And just because at one time it was difficult doesn't mean it will always be difficult. And just because at one time it's been functional doesn't mean it always will be. Within the field, it tends to be looked at as alcohol uh, misuse, further further in becomes abuse and further still is addiction. I think a better way to look at it is habits, compulsions, and addictions. Feel free to look at it however you want, but we do need to be a little more nuanced than just, you're a normie and drugs and alcohol are fine or you're an addict. The world is far more complex than that. It really is. And you know, having worked in drug and alcohol treatment for decades, Um, we don't ever talk about it in reference to how much you're using as a way to determine whether or not you have a problem. It's not about quantity. It's about impact. It's about the role it plays. It's about what, what's driving it. And ideally I hope to help people find ways to integrate it into their lives. Um, we live in a very alcohol centric culture. You know, it's paired with every holiday, every event. You have a tough time, let's grab drinks. You have a great time, let's grab drinks. You're sad about something, drinks. You want to, you know, it's your birthday drinks. It's a holiday drinks. It's the weekend drinks. Boring midweek drinks. You know, it's exhausting, especially for those that don't consume alcohol, to have everything centered in that. So 
I would love for that to change. Um, however, we got to be in the world we're in. Now, an important thing to consider is uh, everything in our lives is about relationality and the impact that anything is having on the important relationships in our lives, including ones with ourselves, is a really good rubric or determinant as to whether or not something needs to be looked at, adjusted, changed, or maybe even removed from our lives. So let's just start there. If your drug or alcohol use is impacting your relationship to important people in your life, then it's a problem. That doesn't mean it has to be completely removed. It doesn't mean you're an addict. It just means you want to look at it and ask yourself, why am I putting this before my relationship to other people? It's also how we help determine disordered eating. If you're, you know, need to eat certain foods at certain times and to meal plan and clean eating and all these words that fall under disordered eating, if, if your relationship to food doesn't allow you to participate in holidays and go on dates and spend time with your friends, then you have a problematic relationship with food and work needs to be done on that. Drugs and alcohol are very similar. Um, habits are more preferences. I like to have a beer at the end of the day. That's a preference. That's not an addiction. You might have a beer every day at the end of the day or a cocktail. Just because you do it every day doesn't mean it's an addiction. It might just be a habit. I'm familiar doing so. I enjoy doing so. Doesn't negatively impact the important things in my life or the important people in my life. So no reason to have any concern about it. I drink coffee literally every single day and I will continue to. And I'm okay with the fact that I have headaches if I don't drink coffee because I love coffee and I will always be able to have access to it. And so I'm okay with that. We will often spend our lives dependent upon certain things, but coffee consumption doesn't have a negative impact on any element in my life or any of the relationships that are important to me. So it's not a problem. And if it were to become one, sure, I would work on decreasing the amount I consume, going for decaf, maybe teas, or just completely getting away from caffeine, but there's no reason to. I even see people panicking about that. Oh, well, it was so hard to come off of it. It really meant I was addicted and then I should have. Well, no, not that deep. Some people will take medications for their entire lives. That's cool. There's a lot of things we will always do. So again, it's not about how often necessarily, it's really about the role it plays, the impact it has on important relationships and things in our lives as to whether or not we really wanna unpack whether or not a change needs to happen. But habits are just preferences and it usually falls under, I like to, I enjoy to. You know, I enjoy to you know, have a cocktail at the end of the day. I like to have a beer. And um, habits and alcohol, you know, again, misuse, which is the lightest form, is usually able to be broken or changed with just a little bit of determination and motivation. And so if you can do so, and if not, then we kind of move to a higher level. We're gonna come back and talk about that. Um, then we're also going to do some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, a question you want answered, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Otherwise, you'll all stick around and don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right y'all we're back looking at a relationship to drugs and alcohol i love this because some of us need to be reminded to do so and others actually need confirmation that like we're cool and uh, we were just talking a little bit about habits. There's nothing wrong with having habits. There's nothing wrong with having coffee every single day. Even if you have a headache, if you try to come off of it, that doesn't mean you need to. We don't want to make our lives harder. We're allowed to have joy and pleasure in our lives. We're allowed to enjoy a cocktail every night at the end of the day. If we want, there's nothing wrong with that. We're allowed to, if it's legal in your state, to enjoy cannabis. Um, I'm a big fan of that. A lot of my clients use it medicinally. A lot of my clients, it's also a part of their sobriety. Let's talk about that for a second. Harm reduction is important. The goal isn't to be pure or perfect. The goal isn't to follow the rules of any program. I know 12 steps is one of many programs. And within that one program, they believe you have to be off of everything in order to participate. I don't agree with that. For some people, cannabis has never been a problem. And we have robust research that shows for a lot of people, it helps them get off and stay off more problematic, dangerous substances like opioids. And that, that is how they get off and that's how they stay off. And just because you have a problem with alcohol doesn't mean you can't do other drugs. Just because you can't do drugs doesn't always mean you can't drink. This is something you have to explore case by case. And for some people, they have a habit. It's a preference. They enjoy a cocktail at the end of the day. Just because you do it every day doesn't mean it's, it's bad. What you have to look at is, does it keep me away from participating in my life fully? And does it get in the way of the important relationships? That is when we want to look at it. So it's okay to like to do something consistently. It's about the impact. Uh, we will talk more about harm reduction and, uh, you know, California sober, as they say, which means no hard drugs, no alcohol, but cannabis is cool. Because again, for a lot of people, it is. We're allowed to have vices. We're allowed to check out. We're allowed to dissociate. We watch movies. We have sex. We read books. We take naps. We do yoga. We meditate. Those are all forms of checking out. Those are all forms of self-soothing. Those are all forms of self-care. They're all right brain activities. We're allowed to use sex. I love bringing that in. Some people think, oh, you're allowed to meditate. You're allowed to read a book. You're allowed to jog. You're allowed to stretch. You're allowed to do yoga. But oh my God, you're not allowed to use sex or masturbation as a form of self-care. Yes, you are. You absolutely are. 
Yeah, any right brain activity, anything that's self-soothing. If we have a hard day, you are allowed to eat your feelings. What? Yeah, we are allowed to rely upon things outside of ourselves to help soothe us or to put a smile on our face. As long as it's not having a negative impact on important things in our life or relationships, we're good. And that's why when I'm working with couples, if one of them has an undealt with mental health or drug and alcohol issue, we need to talk about it because anything that's not allowing you to be an available partner is a problem. We work on secure attachment, and that means you are available and you prioritize your primary relationship and you don't let things come between the two of you or get in the way. And if you have a drug and alcohol issue or undealt with mental health issues, you are not available to be a safe haven and a secure base, which are the two things that are the foundational points of healthy, long-term, happy, sustainable relationships, which basically mean you're available to me when I need you. You are a resource I can go to when I have tough times. That is being a safe haven. You are a secure base as well, which means your presence in my life, whether you are literally physically there or not, knowing you are in my life, helps me go off into the world and encourages me and motivates me to do the things I need to do and makes me feel stronger. Because I know, again, that you're there as a safe haven if I need to go to you for support. If you are dealing with drug and alcohol issues, you are not available. You are not available to be in a relationship to anyone. That's why I say we put the relationship on pause if someone is dealing with drug and alcohol issues because they're not available to themselves and they're not available to you. And that's when you know work needs to be done on it. So we talked about habits. What are compulsions? Compulsions are when we repeatedly, we repetitively return to something to reduce tension. There's often rules around it. We feel distress without it. The thought would be, I've got to have this. I must drink this. I can't feel good without this. That's when we're moving into a compulsion. That would be, again, habits would be more alcohol misuse, maybe, but most likely not at all. Compulsions would fall under something that's more, you know, alcohol or drug abuse, depending. But compulsions always have harmful consequences and they limit our lives where preferences and habits don't a cocktail at the end of the day generally isn't harmful and doesn't limit your life but if it does we're maybe moving further along into something that's maybe a compulsion i repeatedly return to it because i feel i don't feel well or i don't feel good without it and again it sounds like i have to i must i've got to i won't be okay without it has a little bit of that energy and desperation so what is true addiction then that's more powerlessness. Food generally isn't an addiction because there isn't a powerlessness. People aren't generally just grabbing food out of the trash can, grabbing food out of people's hands, eating whatever and shoving it down. Food compulsion usually is I'm eating foods I enjoy. I actually take the time to intentionally go and get the food I enjoy. People are not, you know what I mean? And that's where drug and alcohol is different also from sex. Sex is not an addiction. It's a compulsion because it feels as though we can't stop or control it, but we do. We don't see people just having sex and unable to stop masturbating in the street, on the bus, walking through the supermarket because they're able to stop to participate in the world. But once they've begun, it feels as though they can't stop. They feel as though they have to. It's a compulsion. We want to look at it. We want to work with it, but it's not an addiction. An addiction is always something that's life-threatening. We are literally powerless to it. You will see people drunk or on drugs, flying airplanes, driving cars, waking up in the morning. That doesn't apply to food and sex. And that's why those fall more under things we abuse, things we have problematic relationships with or compulsions. But addictions are things we are truly powerless over. And I will lose my kids to my drugs. I will crash my car because I'm drunk. That is powerlessness. And again, it's life-threatening. It actually destroys life. 
And that's when we know we have an addiction and we need to completely stop. Or the other things are maybe things we need to look at our relationship to improve it, slow down, integrate it better. But not everyone needs complete sobriety. And there's a wealth of different programs and we're gonna talk about what some of those are. Um, but this is kind of like the, uh, the entry point. Uh, we're gonna come back and talk more and then we're gonna drop into the DMs. So if you got a question for us, Dropping the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Someone's wondering what you're wondering about. You're helping them as you're helping yourself. Always anonymous, always confidential. And we are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes of the show. Otherwise, stick around. we got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all, because we'll be right back. All right, y'all. We are back, and we're talking about... Addiction, problematic relationships to drug and alcohol, mainly because the world's different. Um, I was talking to someone who runs a cannabis store here in LA where it's legal, and they were saying that um, the user, the number of users is down. A lot of people were using because they were stuck at home quarantining, they weren't working, there's a lot of anxiety and depression. Um, and now people are working and the world is open. So they're out participating in the world and also a lot more cannabis stores have opened up as well. So that's part of it too. But we were just talking about it and how it saved a lot of people's lives because marijuana is not a gateway drug. Trauma is, and we'll talk about that, but trauma is what leads to addiction. Um, drug and alcohol addiction isn't a disease. It's a trauma response. It's faulty coping. It's a lack of ability to turn to others, get our needs met. Instead, we self-soothe with drugs and alcohol. And then we get hooked on that. Um, so trauma is the gateway drug. Cannabis isn't. In fact, cannabis is the opposite. You know, alcohol is related to 75% plus forms of domestic violence. Marijuana, none. <laughs> Drunk driving fatalities that are related to alcohol, I think it's at like 75 or 80. Marijuana, none. Marijuana has helped many people get off alcohol and opioids and other things and keeps them off. And for some people, it's a um, medicinal medicinal thing that they use for places where it's legal. And there's nothing wrong with seeking joy. There's nothing wrong with seeking pleasure. There's nothing wrong with using medicinal things like psychopharmacology, antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds. In fact, I'd often rather people use things like cannabis, which doesn't have the addictive and... Um, some of the other rebound and paradoxical effects that some of these pharmacology things can have. And some people use them lifelong. Um, Pro-medication for sure. And some people need it and will always need it. That's great. Access that. But there are other options for some. Um, so having said that, um, relationality is the opposite of addiction, not abstinence. That's not enough. It's not enough to just say, oh, I removed something problematic from my life. Great. But have you focused on reconnecting to meaningful people and things in your life? Because that's what matters. That's why we're doing this. And that's why people that get hung up on whose sobriety is real sobriety, who doesn't have real sobriety. You're missing the point. It's like people that, yeah, I don't even want to get off on that tangent. I was going to use a religion example. I don't want to go there. Um, but you have to remember what the point is. The point is to lead a healthy, functional life and to be available to the important people and things in your life, period. And if you're able to do that, then keep doing what you're doing. And however it is that you're able to do that, keep doing what you're doing. Everyone's sobriety is going to look different. And some people's sobriety will look like them still using marijuana. Some people's sobriety from opioids and cocaine and meth will look like them drinking alcohol sometimes because we use also a term called harm reduction. I want my patients and the people I love in my life to stay alive. And I will do whatever I need to do to help them stay alive. I don't care if that involves poppers sometimes, 
or whatever else. Because some people think that if you use poppers as part of sex, that you're no longer sober. I don't agree with that. That is not my definition. Everyone gets to self-define. I want people to work with a therapist to self-define um, because I want people just to stay alive. And that's the harm reduction model. Some people, the best you can expect for them, and this is awesome, is that they're drinking less. For some people, and this is great for them, they're taking safety precautions when they're using. They have Narcon available in case someone ODs. They use one of those phone lines where they call someone when they're using to make sure they're safe. It might mean they're using safe injection sites. It might mean that you help them not lose their job because they're using. It means not kicking them out on the street. When people are struggling, they need us more. We're, their old school advice was, you know, you kick them out on the street, let them hit rock bottom. Um, You mean let them go to jail and die? No, we're not doing that to people we care about. When people are struggling, they need us more. We don't kick people out of our lives when they're struggling. Sure, we don't let them take us down, but it's okay to still have, feed your addict child and house them. Yeah, I, kicking them out on the street is going to make it worse. We know that from the research. It gets worse. They maybe die. Stick in there. That's how we show trust and commitment. When someone we care about is struggling, we don't kick them out of our lives. We show up for them. They need us more. That's why I'm upset with drug and alcohol treatment centers that kick people out that are relapsing. That means they need to be there even more. Do you kick someone out of treatment because they relapsed with their depression? Do you punish them for being depressed as a depressed person? No. Why are we punishing addicts for being addicts? They struggle. That's why I work with clients coming in high. Great. Let's talk still. And if you relapse, that means we need more treatment, not less. I'm not going to kick you out because you're struggling. I'm not going to kick you out because you're trapped in your struggle. We're not doing that anymore. Harm reduction is important. Do what you need to do to help them stay alive. Still feed them. Still clothe them. Still give them housing. We're not letting people hit rock bottom anymore. That's how they end up dead. And we'd rather have someone alive. And people being isolated is going to trigger more use. Because the problem is they already don't feel safe turning and accessing human supports. We need to show them that people care and people are there, not the opposite. People that are struggling with drugs and alcohol already feel bad enough. Don't make them feel worse by thinking they're trash and they're not worth being taken care of. House them, feed them, help them keep their jobs. That is harm reduction. That's the model we're moving towards. Care. We need more care and more compassion, not more harshness. That trauma is what got them in there in the first place. We know the more trauma someone's had in their early life, the higher a percentage of use that they're going to have. Stats on it that are powerful. We're gonna come back, do some DMs, then we'll talk more about this. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we're back. Now it's time to drop some body positive gems. We're gonna be spending this segment dropping gems, but don't worry, we'll be doing some DMs later in the show, so stick around for that. So body positivity, I'm just trying to sprinkle this throughout the show because summer's coming, and this is something we wanna be aware of, and we've done longer shows on this, but I'm just gonna spend a few minutes. First one is drum roll. Don't follow things that make you feel bad. Don't follow accounts that are all about weight loss, weighing yourself, summer bodies. That's a mess. We are following accounts that say you look great the way you are. How do you have a beach body? By bringing your body to the beach. Everyone should wear what they want. You don't have to earn the right to wear anything. We are not punishing ourselves for eating food. So we're unfollowing anything that tells us otherwise. Anything that tells you you need to dress a certain way, that you need to wear certain clothes for your shape or your body, that you need to, you know, go through whatever you need to go through to feel secure on the beach. We're getting rid of all that. And instead, we're following body positive and fat liberation accounts. Why? Because 
that's just us learning to love ourselves as we are. And as we age, as disabilities happen and different phases and events happen in our lives, our bodies are going to change. And we have to be available to whatever's happening. We can't wait. It's like I tell clients that say things like, I want to lose weight before I start dating again. Oh my God, I don't know if and when that's going to happen. And that doesn't even need to happen. Let's start learning to date as you are, because you might come back to this. 99% of diets fail. It, it doesn't even stick. It doesn't even work. Why? Because it's not healthy. So let's date as we are. So we're unfollowing negative accounts and we're following positive ones. Also, we're setting boundaries. We're telling people how they can talk to us and what they can talk to us about. So if someone's constantly talking about your weight, what you're wearing, what you're eating, you say, listen, I'm going to stop you. It isn't acceptable for you to talk about or comment on that. And if they don't stop, you walk away. You're done. Also, we're shutting down those conversations in our social groups. Be that friend group that talks positively about each other, not that friend groups that keeps each other, not that friend group that keeps each other trapped and saying, I feel fat, I look fat, I can't believe I'm eating this, I'm gonna have to go run this off tomorrow. That's toxic. That's disordered eating talk, that's toxic gym talk. So we're letting our friends know we're not gonna talk that way anymore. We're gonna be positive and supportive and call that out and hold that. And if your friends can't meet you in that healthy level, then maybe it's time to find new friends. Also, we're building community. We're building, we're building relationships with people who live in the world and think the ways we want to think and how we want to live in the world. For instance, if you're trying to get sober off drugs and alcohol, you can't be spending time around people that are always partying and talking about partying. You're going to feel left out and it's not really supporting the important parts of who you are now. So those people would need sober friends who are meeting them where they're at, mirroring back important things to them, and also living a lifestyle that they feel safe being a part of. If you're trying to work on being more body positive or feeling okay in your larger or fat body, you also need community who normalizes being at whatever weight you're at, who normalizes the beauty of fatness, who normalizes that health exists at literally every single size, and that our goal in life isn't to fit a body ideal, or our goal in life isn't to always be attractive based on the standards society has given us, and that our goal in life isn't to meet these desirability standards that we haven't even signed off on and don't include us. Also, you need to read and educate. You have to spend time reading material that helps challenge and helps you unlearn some of that toxic messaging that you've not only been given your entire life, but you're continuing to be given when you see billboards that say things like no pecs, no sex, or I need to get my beach body or my body ready for the beach. Things that really shame you being however you are already. And also you're gonna have to become an activism. We have to be a part of changing the world that oppresses us. We can't just sit outside complaining and we can't just throw rocks from the outside. We have to get into these systems and into these institutions and make changes. We have to stop promoting problematic things on our social media and instead helping be part of the solution by posting things that challenge, that challenge this toxic messaging, challenge these toxic institutions and norms. So we have to be part of that change and that solution. Um, Got more of the show to come. Like I said, we'll be uh, wrapping up the show with some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, that means any questions you got, topics you want us to hit, things you want us to circle back and cover, put them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We love hearing from you. And uh, past episodes, check out the shows that we've done already over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff because, again, it's a practice. It's all about unlearning some of that messaging and then replacing it with better learning. So, yeah, stick around, y'all. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back.
All right, y'all. We're talking about our relationship to drugs and alcohol. It's a complicated one. I appreciate that. You know, it's it's a huge part of our culture and it's really hard to imagine not being able to participate. That's why I'm always reminding people, don't assume everyone drinks, have some non-alcoholic cocktails. Just like I always say, don't assume everyone eats meat, have some vegan and vegetarian options. It's, it's 21st century, get your head out of under a rock. Not everyone drinks, not everyone eats meat and dairy. Like, come on, I, I don't want the people I'm working with to always feel so out of place. And a lot of people aren't comfortable because they don't even know where they're at with their relationships to drugs and alcohol, necessarily saying I have a problem or I'm an addict and it's stigmatized and people feel left out. And I have a lot of patients in my practice that aren't ready to use any of those terms and maybe won't be. I have clients that identify as non-drinkers. They don't identify with the 12-step model or the disease model of saying, I'm an addict, once an addict, always an addict. We know that identifying, that making your identity tied to your trauma doesn't allow you to heal. I work with my clients on leaving identities that are tied to their trauma behind them. That's healing, who am I now? Whatever we used to do, we don't have to drag that forward. And if you're no longer problematically using drugs and alcohol, you don't have to always identify as that or with that. That is not necessary. That is a part of some programs. There's a wealth of programs. There's some female-centered ones, Tempest, She Recovers, there's SOS, there's Moderation Management, um, a lot of ones because the 12-step is the traditional one, but for a lot of people, it's a little too fundamentalist where you're in or out, it's very hard-lined, you have to be completely off all drugs and alcohol. Some of them even say you can't you know, do steroids or poppers or drink kombucha because some of it has like 0.004% alcohol. Like You're missing the point at that point. It's not about never having these things enter our body. It's about not having a problematic relationship with something that's actively centered in our lives. Like You'll be okay drinking a kombucha. You know how many bottles of that you'd have to have to drink to even get a tipsy more than you can consume. Let's calm down a little bit. So my point being, if something's not right for you, there's other, there's other perspectives and other programs. I have clients that, again, won't identify as addicts, they identify as non-drinkers. I have some clients that don't drink alcohol, use hard drugs, but they use cannabis. All of them identify sober, that's awesome. You get to decide what your identity is. And I want people to have an identity that feels empowering. Some people feel disempowered by identifying as an addict or because historically they had the problem to always identify that way. You don't have to do that. You're allowed to put that baggage down and move forward without it. We don't have to be identified in the future based on things we did in the past. And healing is about moving forward and self-defining in an empowering, healing way, however that is for you. If you identify as an addict, awesome. Go with that if that feels good and that works. If you're a 12-step program member, awesome. Go with that, do what works. That doesn't mean it's right for everyone. And someone not wanting to be a part of one program, that's okay. That's okay. I work with everyone and I meet them where they're at. And we help them find a way to integrate whatever they want to integrate in and we remove what's caused problems. And then we start looking at what are the high-risk situations? That's a big part of this. What are the high-risk situations that set you up to struggle? How can we be better prepared for them? How can we even avoid some of them? What are the high-risk people, places, and things that maybe you wanna interact with differently or not at all? Um, that's a really important part of this, but I want that to be generalized work we do anyway. I don't want us to be spending time in places and spaces and with people that don't bring out our best, period. Remember, I always pull out my before, during, and after. How do you feel before seeing or entering that space? How do you feel during you're spending time with that person in space? And more importantly, after you spend time with that person or in that place, how do you feel? The answer should always be good, <laughs> right? Sometimes bad, but if it's always consistently bad, that's something that shouldn't be a part of your life. Also, I tell people, if you're having a great day and you wanna celebrate, great, that's the time to drink because that will amplify how you're feeling.
go, go, go celebrate. If you're having a hard day, you're depressed, you're sad, you're angry, that is not the time to drink because it will amplify those feelings. They're hard enough already. Don't make it worse by cranking them up. That is when you need to process, sit with, and deal with those feelings. Positive, green light, negative feelings, red light. Not the time. Makes it worse. Doesn't make us feel better. And we feel worse afterwards. Alcohol is a toxin. Causes brain damage. We have some robust studies that just were released that show even drinking only a few drinks a week causes some brain damage and is a major cause of things like dementia, high blood pressure. It actually impacts your sleep negatively, negatively. You might pass out, you are not getting sound sleep. And some people are drinking every night and then wondering why they're waking up not feeling good, not sleeping well. That might be part of it. Cut down, cut it out. Drink earlier, drink less, drink something different. That's harm reduction. Just because one way doesn't work doesn't mean you have to completely remove it. We wanna see if there's other ways. Not everyone wants to go for complete abstinence. And that's okay. One way that worked for someone isn't the way that works for everyone. And I want people to get their specific needs met based on who they are. Um, all right, we're gonna come back, talk more about this, but y'all know the drill. Later in the show, we're gonna do some DMs. So if you got a question for us or a topic you wanna sit, something you're wondering about, someone else might be as well, that you're helping them as you're helping yourself, always anonymous, always confidential. Put those questions in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen and share because we got to do a lot of unlearning and then a lot of relearning and it's always about that repetition. So um, that's why I love podcasts. You can take them with you, listen to them when you want, replay, pause, take notes. <laughs> um, I use them a lot at the gym. All right, y'all stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. And Channel Q and Odyssey will be back. All right, y'all, we're back and just looking at um, addiction, drugs, alcohol. Wanted to share some interesting facts with you. Um, primary cause of addiction is trauma, experiences during childhood, uh, not the substances themselves, but um, trauma that turns people away from others and co-regulation and social and human resources and instead towards self-soothing with um, drugs and alcohol, which handle the job. You can count on them. We can't count on others. And that's why the opposite of um, you know addiction isn't uh, sobriety, it's connection. And that's why we have to not cut addicts out of our lives. We have to stay connected them being isolated is making them more vulnerable because it reinforces the actual issue and what got them there in the first place. What's really heartbreaking is what has been this war on drugs, which has failed. And it was always rooted in very racist, in a racist history. And you can kind of go do some of that research if you're interested in it. But remember, only about 10% of drug users have a problem. 90% don't have an addiction. 90% are casual users, weekend users, uh, people that are partiers or they just use them for casual use. And this desire to alter our consciousness has been with us from the beginning of time. And even animals access berries and other things that lead to dissociation, different consciousnesses. These things are rooted in a lot of religious experiences. That's why you see a lot of psychedelic use in certain environments and certain populations for religious reasons, altering consciousness, as we said. And there's a lot of really good research uh, with mental health use around these things. And we'll talk more about that. But basically my whole point to this is that um, addiction's an adaption, it's not a disease. And the war on drugs de doesn't decrease use or, or, or overdoses, it actually increases them. 
And 90% of the money um, that's spent on drug policy goes to policing and punishment. People that are struggling with drugs and alcohol don't need to be punished. They shouldn't be put in jail. They haven't done anything wrong. They're struggling. They need help. They need treatment. Only 10% of that money goes to treatment and prevention. Most of it should go to treatment and prevention. Why is it going to punishment? Prison doesn't rehabilitate. It harms and makes things worse. There's no healing that happens there. Let's help people that are struggling. And that's why we have to legalize so people can get the care they need. We have to um, really, really hit it from the ground up in the right ways. And that's always been part of the problem is we just always deemed it bad. We deemed drug users bad. We dreamed them. We deemed them to be people we can't help and we punish. And again, that amplifies. They need treatment and they need compassion. And that's always what I'm advocating for. No one is undeserving of care and compassion. And when people are struggling, that's when they most need us. That's why an important part clinically when I'm working with someone who has a problematic relationship to drugs or alcohol is looking at first the damage it does to the important elements in their life and the important relationships as a motivating force and to even identify if it's an issue and then working on them reconnecting to those people and reprioritizing those relationships. And instead of turning towards drugs and alcohol in difficult times emotionally, which, you know, drug and alcohol is a faulty coping mechanism, instead turning to people, learning how to trust people. And more importantly, doing trauma work. The core of all this is what is the trauma that's driving this and how can we work on resolving that? And a lot of those traumas are relational traumas, turning to drugs instead of turning to others. Early environments train them that people weren't safe, people weren't resources. And this is where this is where we find ourselves. And that's why abstinence isn't enough. It's not good enough to just say, oh, I stopped drinking, I stopped using drugs. Awesome. Have you done the trauma work? Are you working on healing your relationship to others? Are you working on turning towards and accessing others? That is one of the beautiful parts of the 12-step program is centering that socialization, centering turning to others, calling a sponsor in difficult times, relying on the group. That's awesome. But I want more than that. And I want people to have access to other programs that maybe have different definitions of sobriety, don't necessarily center um, a higher power, or don't have a model where you need to identify with your trauma or this idea of a disease in order to be a part of that program. For people that have a history of being disempowered, it doesn't help them be a part of a program that mandates you accept that you're powerless to something or they have to turn your will over. Instead, trauma victims need empowerment. They need to learn how to turn to themselves and to people. So it can be a, a very important switch. And I know this topic can be very triggering for people. A lot of people that are in 12 steps um, want to believe that's the only way, the right way, but there's a wealth of ways to see this, to treat this, to look at this, to talk about this. And not everyone wants their identity tied permanently to um, historical, a historical you know, problem with drugs and alcohol. But I do want people to really take the time to look at the role these things play in their lives. Sometimes we're part of social circles or social worlds where problematic use is normalized. Even things with um, disordered eating. I hear a lot of people normalize disordered eating or eating disorder talk because they're in the quote unquote health and fitness world. But what they really are is they're focusing on aesthetics and they're overtraining and they're really reinforcing food phobia. And um, it can lead people down some dark paths, like I said earlier in the show, where they're no longer eating out at restaurants. They're no longer going on dates. They're backing out of holiday events and social events because the right food isn't there or they have to go to the gym or they're going to the gym even when they're injured. That is a sign of body dysmorphia, disordered eating. And, and again, for some, in some circles, that's that's normalized. That's how they live their lives. And so they're not aware that, wait a second, this is having you know a negative impact on my mental health. Drug and alcohol use can be the same way. We tend to do the same things those around us are doing. And what they're doing becomes normalized for us. 
So we really want to look at that. Um, especially, you know, during holiday time, this is another thing that comes up. It comes up a lot during summers and music festival time. So I try to always talk about this then, but also around the holidays um, when our stresses are higher and we might be feeling lonelier, more disconnected, depression, seasonal affective disorder. These are things that can really trigger some of this. So um, you want to keep it uh, front of mind. Uh, all right. So we're going to come back, talk more, but uh, got a question for us. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline and G page. Anything that falls under the heading of mental health which is vast, uh, put your questions, topics you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into on the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Otherwise, you can go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, listen, and share because that We Are Channel Q is where you can find past episodes of the show, podcasted, awesome stuff. Otherwise, y'all stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Don't go anywhere. All right, y'all, we're back and we're just finishing up our discussion on drugs and alcohol. And I just wanted to talk about it specifically within the LGBTQIA community. Um, drugs and alcohol exist in all communities, uh, but the online sex apps like Grinders, um, which are great for people finding sex partners and dating and community building, but it also involves a lot of drugs. And there's certain emojis and code words that imply people are partying. And I have a lot of clients that relapse as a result of that. So if your relapse often happens from hooking up or being on those apps, the apps might not be for you. You might, unfortunately or fortunately for your sobriety, it might mean that you don't use those because it's too risky and it's a trigger. As I talked about earlier on the show, we need to be aware of high-risk situations high-risk people, places, and things that set us up to not be the person we want to be in the world, to maybe set us up to use drugs and alcohol. And if the dating apps or sex apps, specifically the sex apps like Grindr, are ones that lead you there, you might need to go the old school way for hooking up. You got to hit on people, you know, reach out to people you already know, date on the apps like Tinders and Hinges where they aren't party-based um, or have that in your profile, you know, no drugs, but take care of yourself. Don't, don't, you know, I've heard people rationalize, yeah, but I want to still be able to hook up. Great, you're going to have to go to another route. What means more to you? The important people and things in your life and your sobriety um, or having easy access on an app. And remember, only about 30% of the people on the apps actually hook up. 70% wind up just talking, chatting, disappearing, ghosting. So it isn't even as reliable as a lot of people tend to think it is. But I want us to prioritize our mental health. And that means sometimes making difficult decisions. I have clients that don't go to events that have alcohol, period, because it's too high of a risk for them. They don't go to weddings. Sorry, congratulations, enjoy your party, because that's what a wedding is. It's a party, it's a celebration. Cool, I won't be there. There's alcohol there. It's a trigger. My life means more. All the best. Yeah. Or you go with a sober companion, a friend that's got your back and knows. Or you leave early. You leave when the booze starts flowing. You know, when the purpose of the night changes, you go to your friend's birthday party, cool. And the minute it's all about getting wasted and drunk, you bounce. Go early, leave early, bring people. Sometimes you don't go at all. You gotta check in with yourself. Do I have it in me to deal with this today? What's my plan if I get triggered? What's my plan if they bring out drugs and alcohol? Can I tell people ahead of time that I don't drink and have something else for me? Can I bring someone with me? Yeah, that's part of living in the world. We do that even with our mental health. 
I want us to be able to do that. But more importantly, I want people on the receiving end to say, I hear you. Thank you for taking care of yourself. Of course I understand. Of course your mental health and, and you living and saving your life means more than you going to this concert or sticking around at my birthday party into the later hours or coming to my wedding. Yeah, I have clients who literally don't go to spaces that have alcohol. I don't care if you think that's extreme or sensitive, they're doing it to save their lives and they got my back and my support and we have to be more supportive. We don't know what people are up against. We don't know people's stories. We don't know what they're struggling with. If someone says, I don't drink, say cool. Don't push. Don't say just try it. Don't say just have a sip. Don't even say why don't you drink. Boundaries and privacy. Not everyone's ready to disclose that. Not everyone's even sure why yet. Some people don't want to deal with the stigma. Some people don't want to answer questions. So if someone says I don't drink, the answer is cool. You don't push it. You don't say tell me why. Not your business. And you don't want to be part of someone's relapse. You don't know what people are struggling with. Have not alcoholic options. Maybe sometimes throw events that don't have alcohol at all. Shocker, I know, imagine that. Having fun and socializing without booze. A real zinger in our culture because it's fused with literally everything. But I wanna build a world that's safe for everyone. And that's how we do it. Apps, the apps are definitely something people need to pay attention to. I somehow see that like slip through the cracks. But ask yourself, what is the cause of my relapse? If and when it happens, what are the high-risk situations? How can I remove that? That is the important work of this, going backwards, saying, how did I get there? Because again, we wanna make this easier on people, not harder. I've seen too many clients relapse because they were pushed, because someone said, come on, try it, because someone asked too many questions, because someone made them feel bad because they didn't feel comfortable attending their birthday party. It's a big deal, y'all. You know, we don't always know what someone's up against. The other trigger point for some is sex, not just sex-based stuff on apps, but also just sex in general. Some people have never had sex sober. So for some people that are moving away from drug and alcohol use, sober sex is a big deal for them. It's very vulnerable. It might be more intimate. You're more present. You're more aware. If you're in a relationship and you only know how to have sex while high or drunk, that might be part of the problem. What are, what are you afraid of encountering? What are you afraid of feeling, seeing, dealing with, being up against? Ask yourself that, because that's the important part of all of this. What is it I'm trying to numb out from? What is it I'm trying to escape? What is it I'm trying to accomplish? What do I not wanna face? What do I not wanna deal with? What's the trauma that this is an adaptive coping mechanism around? Because drug and alcohol use is a strategy often, maladaptive coping, you know, attachment, injuries, not being able to turn to others. So turning to self away from others. We'll keep talking more about it. This is always like a little bit of a, you know, a superficial hit and can't always do a deeper dive, but we'll talk more about it. Um, all right, y'all coming up next DM. So if you've got a question or topic you want us to hit, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. As you know, otherwise head over to wearechannelq.com, scroll down for Loveline and click on it. And there are our past shows. But uh, we got a whole lot more to come, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, I've been wanting to break up with my girlfriend for about a month now. We're just not compatible in a lot of ways, and I think it's time. However, she has a birthday coming up, and it's the anniversary of her dad's death, which is a big deal to her. I still love her and care about her, just not in love with her. I know it's probably better to break up with her now, but I'd like to be with her through all this stuff because she's still my best friend. Is that wrong of me? No, I think it's both. <laughs> I think most people, if someone wanted to leave a relationship with them, they would just want it over. But I do always say to clients when they want to make a disclosure or do something, I always say, it isn't just about you. I'll never agree that it's just about one person. And I'll say to them, what's going on in this other person's life? Is this a time where they have the ability to hear this or be a part of this? Do they have resources? Because that matters. We don't want to harm people. You've already been sitting on the uh, desire to break up for a month. What's the harm in hanging in there another week or two? Now, having said that, you can still be best friends after the breakup. You can still help them through this after the breakup. You don't need to be their girlfriend still to help them through this. Um, I hope you remain friends. Just romance and sex aren't on the table anymore. Um, or maybe they still are, but friends with benefits. I don't know. But yes, if the anniversary is a big deal for her and it might be very hard for her to deal with her dad's death, maybe don't add another layer by saying, let me also have you deal with the breakup at the same time. And like I said, you've been sitting on the breakup for a month. So um, hang in there. All right, we got another DM. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my mom has severe anxiety and depression. I've dealt with it my whole life, but now that I'm older, I'm doing some self-help. And uh, a lot of my childhood issues now make sense. Because you know, again, remember, like I feel bad for your mom dealing with anxiety and depression, but I also understand what it must have been like for you as a child being part of a family where your mom was dealing with anxiety and depression. That means she's not available. That means she's not accessible. And there's a lot of issues that emerge out of that. So my, my empathy for both of you. Back to your question, you said, I asked her to go to therapy, but she refused. She said she tried it once and didn't like the therapist, so she'll never go back. I get it. Uh, not everyone's a match for the therapist they work with or the kind of therapy that's offered. Uh, but you know, it's just like, that'd be like her saying, I don't want to go out to eat at restaurants. I've been to a restaurant before and I didn't like the restaurants. So I don't like restaurants and I'm not going again. It's like, that's very odd because each restaurant's different. <laughs> it's going to be a different experience with different offerings. Therapy's the same way. Not everyone does it the same way with the same personality or the same style. Uh, so maybe help her help kind of correct that cognitive distortion because she's catastrophizing and generalizing. Like that's not how it works. But bigger than that, unfortunately, we can't change people. And I would never help someone change someone because I don't know what's best for her and you don't either. 
um, and therapy tends to be very beneficial. You can only make requests or try to be a positive influence. So keep sharing about the success of therapy and self-help for you. And, um, keep saying, you know, when you're ready, I'd love to be a part of that, but we can't make people do things. And so take care of yourself around that. I know that's really hard. Uh, we got another one. This one says, Hey, Dr. Chris, my baby daddy and I split up pretty soon after our daughter was born. Our daughter is two years now, and, uh, he's been at least with five other women. Okay. Well, that's his business. Good for him. Uh, now that she's starting to recognize us and develop memories, having a really hard time being comfortable with other women around my baby. Um, you don't get to control someone else's decisions, unfortunately. And uh, people will be coming in and out of your child's life as friends, as coworkers, as family members. That's life. A child's not going to be harmed by seeing and learning that relationships aren't always forever. The value of a relationship is not the length of time it exists. It's okay for children to learn that friends come and go, that people date. I don't agree that children have to be protected from the reality of the world. If you're okay with friends coming around, friends don't always stick around. Dating isn't different. I was just talking to a parenting expert therapist friend of mine, and we were all complaining about how we don't agree that everyone gets so protective around this dynamic. Children need to learn that relationships come and go, and that's okay. But bigger than that, I appreciate your struggle. Um, but I don't know what it means that he brings them around. I'm assuming everything's age appropriate and boundaried and he's using some privacy. Uh, but uh, sadly, we don't get to tell someone else what they can do in their life, you know? Um, but bigger than that, your child will be okay learning that not all relationships are forever and that your that his her dad is single and that he's looking for love and that it's a process. Your ch the child, when they're older, will be going through that process as well. So you're helping normalize that. Don't worry so much. All right, y'all, that is our show. Thanks for hanging out. We'll be back tomorrow night. Join us then. You guys take care of yourselves. You know, have a good night. And uh... This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in, and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.